I just want to say one thing to my wife who's home. Yo, Adrian! I did it! Welcome to a Podcalypse Now, a journey into the heart of darkness. My name is Dave, and this is my brother Aaron, and we're here to give you our totally 100% unqualified views on all things pop culture. From movies to music to news, nothing is off limits for us to blindly comment on that's happening in the real world. In this week's episode, we're going to be covering the Sylvester Stallone vanity piece, The Expendables, the limited series, Marvel Universe vs. The Punisher, and we revisit The Gathering of the Juggalos 2010. To start off this week's episode, the first segment we're going to go into is our discussion on the recently released movie The Expendables, starring Sylvester Stallone. This movie seemed to be a homage to his action days back in the 80s, in which the plot is thin, but it's big on explosions and action. Plot? What plot? <laughs> Dave and I went and saw the movie last night. We uh, took our girlfriends to it, in which one of them fell asleep. The lucky ladies. The lucky ladies who got to view The Expendables with us. Yeah, imagine just like telling you, you're like, hey, babe, we're going to see The Expendables tonight. <laughs> Not eat, pray, love. <laughs> the movie was interesting because it seemed like it was just like Dave mentioned in the uh, introduction. It was more of a vanity piece for Sylvester Stallone to kind of flex his muscles and show that he still has the chops to star in a big-time action movie. That he is still King Turd of Action Mountain. It's funny because the movie is kind of billed for having all these stars in it, these guys that are known for being in action movies, namely uh, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold, and Bruce Willis. But the funny thing about that is that Arnold and Bruce Willis just have basically cameos of about five minutes at one point, which an emaciated-looking Arnold shows up for about oh two minutes God. in a church like God. He looks sickly. He he looks like he is suffering from AIDS. It's it's really sad what Arnold is left himself become and i mean you know running california is a very stressful job but arnold does not look good no and i think one thing that may have also made arnold look smaller is the fact that sylvester stallone is huge now from all the hgh he's been using i want to take sly stallone's heart out of his chest and measure it to see how much bigger it is than your typical standard male human heart because i mean the man is in his 60s i believe he's at least pushing 60 and to look the way he does right now i can't imagine how many bent syringes have bounced off his scarred (laughs) tattered butt hey you know what one thing I will give him credit for is he's not hiding from me. At least he's straight up saying, yeah, I use this stuff to stay in shape because I want to look good for my movies. I'm like a well, lot of athletes out there who duck that He also shit. has, well, I mean, the first thing is that he's not an athlete. He's an action star, you know, and he's an 80s action star, which means that he's an action figure. And he's got some really interesting things to say about HGH that I actually buy into. He says it, in- it improves his quality of life. Uh, that's a whole nother conversation we can have later. You know, in the beginning, I said this is a vanity piece for Sly Stallone, and I stand by that because it's called The Expendables and the advertising materials presented as an ensemble action film but really it should have been called Sylvester Stallone and Friends because every scene has Sly in it. Yeah the only other guy that gets significant screen time is Jason Statham he seems to be the closest thing to a co-star in it but he even compared to Sly gets about 50% of the screen time that Sly gets. Yeah and it's like I mean he's got this really weird underdeveloped subplot with a girlfriend that she leaves him for a character that I dubbed Dirk Asshole who has a tendency to punch her. Yeah a colossal douchebag that you know it's straight from the frat house yeah pretty he pretty much i think he was alpha chi omega or whatever he belonged in animal house but you know really i, I mean disagree. it's a, <laughs> animal house is good animal house is that's true the whole film was underdeveloped there is no plot it's it's a big dumb summer action film and it harkens back to those films of the 80s but one thing i noticed during this film was that there was a reason that sylvester stallone
alone did not work for 15 years was that these kind of films fell out of favor with audiences. Yeah, all the people that have a fond memory, especially like Dave and I are both in that generation where we grew up, whether or not it was a good thing, during the 80s, and that was when action movies were bloody, they are super violent, and they are way over the top. And a lot of those people have gotten older, and as they've gotten older, those movies kind of fell out of vogue so to speak and now what I think is happening is even though these movies are worse than they were in the 80s and even though they fell out of Vogue in the 80s. I think people want to see something like it just because they have fond memories of well, it from growing up. If you, I mean, it's, it's a nostalgia piece, is what it comes back no, to. No, exactly. And it's the same thing where it's like Motley Crue and their crew fest. It's a nostalgia thing. So I do think there's a certain amount of nostalgia for these films from the 80s, from, you know. Well, I think that's what's are, carrying it. Oh, absolutely. That's totally what carried it. But I don't think this is going to lead to the action film renaissance that I think Sylvester Stallone clearly wants, that he's clearly looking for. And on top of that, it almost seemed like this was going to be a passing of a torch and a bridging of the generation between action stars and it's really still Sly Stallone's movie he's out there trying to show that he's still at the his guy. peak that he's still the man that he can still do the things that he did in the 80s and the time that he's the man that time forgot and it's sad though his love interest is probably half his age and you know he does handle that well he, he doesn't like have a romantic love scene with her because that'd be creepy to be like you know your grandfather having sex with one of your teenage daughter's with your, friends with your, with your uh, girlfriend one thing I'd like to comment on the day brought up it did seem to be billed as kind of a passing the torch my problem with that is that a lot of the modern day action stars aren't people that really intrigue me actors intrigue me i got like jason statham who's been in, like the crank movies and what else was has he been in uh, uh he, he's the transport he's been in the transport both the transporter movies yeah he's the guy transporter that. three he was in snatch and he was really good in snatch, uh, snatch uh, say, aside film. from snatch all his other movies yeah. are not really movies that are very intriguing they're really kind of b action movies yeah and i mean they've made sequels so they've obviously been successful on some level but i just don't buy and it could just be that person inside myself who's still attached to the old action stars like Arnold that's why I was so disappointed to see him in such bad shape well but he's he's 60 I but mean he is they're 60. all 60 except for Bruce Willis is a little bit younger yeah but it's still just you know just seeing him though that way it just it doesn't really <laughs> it's, it's cause it's weird like if it was wasn't so noticeable it wouldn't be as bad but as soon as you see Arnold in the scene he's in you instantly notice how much smaller he is Arnold and is he looks old but it's been five years since he la- made his last film he made Terminator 3 and I think he cashed his ships he went out and, you know, he looked pretty good in Terminator 3. No, that's the thing. Compared to Terminator 3, he did look... For, what was he, in his mid-50s then? He yeah, good. he was in his late 50s. He's probably like 57 when he made that film. He looked good. Moving back to the film, you know, it does have this ensemble cast. It's got uh, Sylvester Stallone and Dolph Lundgren, who were both... Sly was a big action star in the early to mid-80s. Late 80s, his star kind of fell a bit in the early 90s, and he just fell off the radar. Um, Dolph Lundgren was never really a big action guy. I mean, he was kind of a B-movie star. But he never was the kind of guy that you see on a marquee. Some of the other guys are a little bit older. Jet Li, I think. He's not quite as old as Sly, but he's really kind of a uh, a Hong Kong action film type guy. And I don't think he's really that big a star in America. No, he is weird. I was actually thinking about it when we were watching the movie He last seems like night. the odd man out. It, he does. And on top of that, he really was in his prime in America about a decade ago. When you really think about it, he was in that fourth lethal weapon. He was in the one movie with the, oh, the R&B singer of the past, who I think was Aaliyah. And those are really the only two movies I can think of that Jet Li really starred in off the top of my head. And since then, he hasn't done a lot over the last five, six years. Well, Jet Li, the problem with Jet Li is that he's a big star in China. 
And so, you know, that's his bread and butter. So he probably went back to work in China. I don't know what he's been doing. The other guys, I mean, there's Jason Statham, who Aaron already covered, is not a giant action star. Randy Couture, who's done a few things, but he's an MMA guy. Yeah, that, that was weird for me. I mean, bad acting. He was kind of, was just kind of uh, he was He wasn't there. terrible. I thought, you know, he did a, he did he, he passed the test. He's okay. The problem with him and Jet Li is that their characters are so terribly underdeveloped. Yeah. And plus they gave Randy Couture a fishing hat, which <laughs> made him look like Gilligan as yeah. he was infiltrating the enemy's fortress, which was really kind I know, of just comical. The, and the big black guy whose name I can't even remember right now, totally escaped me. He was the least underdeveloped character, at least... No, the most. The, the most the underdeveloped. Most underdeveloped the most underdeveloped character. Because at least everybody got, like, a scene with Sly. But he didn't even get one with Sly. So, you know, it was bare bones. I mean, character development kind of goes out the window because it really is just an action film. But The only real semblance of really solid acting, and there's a couple parts where Mickey York kind of takes some really poorly written sections. Some and really awkward his, dialogue. And he kind of delivers it in a decent manner. Um, his character is basically he runs a tattoo shop named Tools, which, <laughs> which we were ironic. discussing whether or not might be a inside joke if they realize that the movie isn't of the most serious. The way I took the joke was that Sylvester Sloan wrote this movie where these seven or eight kind of vain muscular dudes are hanging out inside a tattoo parlor named tools yeah. and i'm wondering if it's a reference to the guys inside the shop that they may be tools themselves it's true but the movie was so stupid in terms of the plot and the storyline that i think that they may have actually just thought it'd be cool to name the place tools and have a guy named tool and have a guy like mickey or paint some tattoos on him give him some long hair and well actually but this. that was like one of the only things they did that was well as far as the story standpoint they did well was catching mickey work because he was good for the 50 minutes he was in the film yeah i mean he's good but you know who else is in the movie dolph lundgren which was a weird choice because besides sly and besides jason statham he's the most developed character but it's like sly has never been an actor that people have really cared about no, I, it's like it's like I it's think, like Dolph Lundgren needed work, and Sly got him a part in this movie and gave him a really big part that probably should have gone to maybe Steve Austin. Yeah, well, the thing to me that's, that's kind of interesting about Dolph Lundgren that I kept thinking about throughout the movie it had more to do with Dolph Lundgren's only known for a couple movies: uh, Masters of the Universe, Universal Soldier. But what's the role he's really known for? And it's Ivan Drago Ivan in Rocky Dago. Four. Well, you forgot the Punisher. He was the first Punisher. He was the first. I mean, but come on. Point being. It made sense on some level to see him in scenes with Sylvester Stallone. It, that and was kind of cool. I knew that that, that is part of the the retro perspective, the charm of the film that they were going for. It's like, oh, there's and he plays kind of an antagonist. He's kind he, of he really plays the same character he played in Universal Soldier. The, the kind of sol- he's a he's a he's a mercenary. Dolph Lundgren's character, whose name I can't remember the name of the character. He's a mercenary, but he's kind of losing it. He's kind of extreme, and there are scenes where he goes way over the top in what he does, and it almost costs the team, you know, their life. Yeah. And it's a very similar character to what he plays in Universal Soldier. And he does it pretty well. The problem is just that Dolph Lundgren is not a classic 80s action guy. Where's Steven Seagal and where is Jean-Claude Van Damme? Van Damme actually turned it down. I remember that. That's actually, they offered him a role in it, but he He was going to no. be uh, the Jet Li character. Yeah, which probably would have actually been cooler, to be honest it, with you. It would have been cooler, but I was thinking about this morning. It's like, I get why he turned it down. Because well, if he if he had that part that Jet Li was in and he's, then he's reading just the script. Sylvester he's like, Sloan's buddy, his psychic, and he probably doesn't need that. And no. he probably doesn't want it. He wants to be a star. If he doesn't come back and do anything in America, he wants to be the man. Well, exactly. I mean, he, the, Jean-Claude Van Damme, I don't know if you've seen it, the movie Jason. CVD, he turns in a real performance. 
I don't know anything about the guy personally. He could be the douchebag that everybody rumors him to be. He comes off in the movie JCVD as a real person. And he got some goodwill from that movie. I don't blame him for turning down the Jet Li part. He need, he would need something because he is kind of an 80s star. You know, people just still remember him. He needs something with a little more meat in that role. He doesn't want to be just another one of Sly Stallone's little buddies. No, I agree. And I honestly don't know what role Steven Seagal would have fit into the movie. I mean, the thing the thing about it, it doesn't really matter. I could have because- seen Steven Seagal in the, uh, the other badass besides Steve Austin, the, the bad guy badass that was doing the other karate. I could have seen him in that part, but he's a little bit Or chubby. I could have seen Steven Seagal as the main bad guy. You mean Replace the general? Julia Roberts. I really could have. You mean Eric but, Roberts? Yeah, replacing Julia Roberts' brother because, I mean, that's essentially the role he's going to play in the Machete movie and I could really honestly see him being probably a better, more entertaining bad guy than Julia Roberts' brother simply for the fact that he, he has a little bit more of a reputation for being in cheesy flicks and he does kind of have that darker side to his he persona. Does. I think you're touching on something, though, that actually really hurt this movie was that it took itself so fucking seriously. And that's one thing that Machete has that this film does not have. Machete does not take itself seriously. Well, everyone involved knows that there's a joke to Machete. It's not exactly. that should, it's not as serious. And there, there's that underlying humor, that dark humor to it that everyone is in on. That yeah. joke that everyone's in on. But that's the problem the with The Expendables is that they take themselves so fucking seriously. And that it's you're supposed to feel like this is life and death. And like it's really important what these guys are doing. But it's not. It's a small island nation. Like yeah. what you I mean, honestly, the plot revolves around them stopping a general who is working with the rogue CIA agent to grow cocoa plants to make cocaine. And it's like, wow, the expendables just stopped one drop in the ocean of cokes. Something we were joking about last night. It's like floating in the sea of poorly drawn stereotypes of storylines from 80s action movies. And it was even more underdeveloped than your typical yes. bad 80s action movies. Fist like, pounding bro action movies. Yeah, it was really, I mean, not that whenever you see an action movie like this, you're really expecting some amazing storyline. You just want it to be developed enough to where you can kind of justify making the movie. Well, but that's, you know, that's another problem. This is definitely an 80s action movie. And I think over the last 15 years to 20 years, Years since the 80s have gone out people realize the action that 80s film action has moves changed. like that yeah the nature of the action film has changed the dark knight is an action film with a very well-developed story inception when you break it down is an action film with a very very well-developed story you know and that's what people expect now well there's an evolution that's happened and in the 80s they developed the action side of those movies that's what those movies are known for but it's gotten to the point where people are demanding more from their movies and they want a better storyline and it's kind of almost it's like watching dig up the dinosaur bones of what used to be well done and you kind of it puts into perspective almost how how silly. silly it was back in the 80s but that's also it's important that they were there because who knows where movies would be without those movies as well so there's the give and take it's like you want to respect that and appreciate it and you still enjoy the movies that came out in the 80s but it doesn't work nowadays because things progress so much that to go back to that it just makes it seem silly well, and kind it's, of bleak. It's, it seems very much like it's kind of the cycle of the action film right because when cinema supposedly peaked in the 70s you did have action films but they were like the French connection where it was intelligent action and then the 80s it kind of became big dumb action now kind of come back to the kind of a little more intelligent, a little more entertaining action film. It's not just big explosions. Bottom line, you know, this is definitely a $3 film, definitely a rent. So I guess if I was to ask you, Dave, what would you give The Expendables as a grade? I would give it a C. It, you know, it is a nostalgia film. There's nothing wrong with that. I was intrigued to see it. I knew going in that Arnold and Bruce Willis would not be featured that probably. No, it was well known. I mean, they said that when the movie was being promoted. People knew that they were going to have about a five-minute cameo. It was, I mean, Arnold doesn't make movies anymore. No, he's retired. I, I still think Arnold has at least one more movie left in him. I think when he gets out of office, he's going to do that one film to cap his career. But, you know, like I said, it's, it's a solid C. 
it's a nostalgia piece and for that it is fine sylvester stallone it is a vanity piece for the man because he's still running around doing the same things he did in demolition man yeah <laughs> i but i do think that unless he does something with a little more substance sylvester stallone is in danger of wearing out his welcome back nostalgia well i think one thing that's interesting just to kind of one of my last thoughts i'd like to talk about with this segment is that the first movie he made we came back was that rocky movie and that in my opinion with the exception of some a few little things was actually a good movie it might be in terms of an actual legitimate movie be the second best movie in the rocky franchise it's, it's i really probably, enjoyed yeah it's the, probably the second best movie he has ever made i mean yeah. if you watch rocky then you watch rocky balboa that's the complete story that's the arc of a character exactly and then and then with the rambo it's i mean rambo even though the original was a legitimate movie those are just those big bloody action movies of the 80s but the way they did the remake of the rocky movie it was entertaining it was dumb but it was what it was and i and i enjoyed the new rambo movie but the problem is it is getting to that point where this movie doesn't make sense he's not dredging up those old characters that you want to see one last time and it was kind of a poorly made movie so that it kind of he he went back to the well with rocky balboa and he hit a home run and it was good and it was emotional i I love that movie i typically get it out and watch it once a year rocky balboa he went back to the well with rambo and you know what that was back to the nostalgia well and it was it was an entertaining. Film. I enjoyed. It. I liked the Rambo yeah. movie. It was entertaining. I don't ever want to see that character on screen ever again. No, ever. I, no. But now he's kind of and now he's played the third nostalgia card, which is digging up the old ladies action stars using those '80s archetype characters and making an '80s action film. And that's I, I can't imagine what other nostalgia card he's gonna play. Well, he no. has to do something new from here. No, I agree, and that's kind of the problem with it is that you know you could see why he did. He wrapped up the Rocky series, and then he wrapped up the Rambo series. Hopefully, he doesn't try to make another one in either of those series because it would ruin those two movies he redid. Well, I think but this I, one doesn't have that going for it. He didn't really do anything with this series. It just, you know, I, you see what he was going for, but it makes you wonder if it was necessary. It almost feels like because they all kind of ride off to the sunset at the end that it's the beginning of a franchise. Rocky is done. He said Rocky is done. There will never be another Rocky film. I'm happy with that. He said there won't be another Rambo film, but it seems like every couple months there are new rumblings of another Rambo film. They say starring him, maybe not starring him. I, I think that not. one was kind of a surprise hit and that's probably why. I but mean, there's a lot of people. I, I know a lot of people myself that were really into that movie just because it was violent and it was over the top. But that's all it's that. got. I mean, I don't think it's... Nec- I mean, the, I'm not a fan of the Rambo franchise except for the first one. I don't think a lot of people are. What I think Sylvester Stallone needs to do at this point is to remove himself from the acting side and just focus on writing and directing. I think his ego gets in the way of making good films when he's trying to portray himself as a star. I think he's a talented writer and director. If you watch Rocky and uh, Rocky Balboa, you know, he can do it. He's got the chops. The guy won an Oscar for screenwriting. I think he needs to remove himself as an actor from the mix. Yeah, I think that the thing is, is that each of these movies have been successful on some level. The Expendables, even though it only made about $35 million its first weekend, it was the number one movie. And that's going to give it some sort of momentum for a potential either sequel to this movie. Direct-to-video. Or... It might leapfrog Stallone into to be in the position to make another one of his big dumb action movies to kind of stroke his own ego. But you know the thing is that it made 35 million and it was number one for one weekend. With how much ticket prices have risen over the last two or three years, 35 million is not that much money. 
No, but, you know, it is what it is, too. I mean, it comes down to how much it took him to make the movie, which, I mean, who knows how much that costs. It'll be interesting to see what the final gross is for this movie, see how well it holds up in the theaters. Me and Dave both think it'll probably last about three weeks. It'll it'll pretty much be cut in half about every weekend, yeah. or in, into a third. It'll be, in the th- it'll be in the theaters for about three or four weeks. It'll probably end up with, like, a $60, $70 million gross in the United States. But I think internationally, it'll probably get up around 120 130 Yeah, the international Before people DVD love sales. their American film action here. Yeah, they absolutely. seem to do well overseas. As far as my grade goes, the movie i would probably give it a high d low c it's entertaining on some level it's entertaining in a funny way as you're watching it you can laugh at it the action that's happening as they run around this giant in the, in the expenda plane in the expenda truck yeah there's the a lot of really obvious easy jokes you can make if you have that type of sense of humor at it and if you get that it can be entertaining on some level but on the other hand I mean, you don't expect a lot out of a story in an action movie, but like we said, the story was so expect bad. Expect less with this film. Yeah, it's so bad and so poorly developed that it kind of, you know, ruins that the nostalgic aspect of it and the big blow-up scenes and all the action. So yeah, Well, I mean, I, I, I love at the do. end when they're running around the castle or whatever the fuck it is, and they literally plant hundreds of C4 explosive charges all over the place. And it's like, where are the soldiers that are supposed to be watching this? Oh, here goes Sly. He's planning what in the cocaine room. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, there's a river of gasoline flowing there's around a giant the giant 30,000 gallon tanks of gasoline that they that aren't guarded at all <laughs> this military plantation. Yeah. I mean, what's his name? The big black dude has got the gun and he shoots it at the guard tower and two shots in the guard tower explodes, which led me to believe they were storing gasoline in the guard They're, tower. Uh, or stockpiling dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, he shooting at a pile of dynamite um you know it is what it is one more funny sequence i want to bring up is there's a scene where first randy gator goes right up a stairwell to plant explosives five minutes later in what seems to be potentially the same exact stairwell another one of the good guys goes running up planting explosives as well leading me to believe that they maybe have blown up the same stairwell twice (laughs) no they're just very thorough so next up on the agenda today is the Marvel Universe vs. The Punisher. It's a limited series. Just came out last month, issue one, being published by Marvel Comics. And the premise is that there was a virus released within the Marvel Universe that turns everybody into cannibal monsters. Not zombies. They still have some reasoning and some deduction powers. But basically, the superheroes of the Marvel Universe, and this takes place in an alternate universe, the superheroes of the Marvel Universe have become cannibals. And they're eating people. And the only character, the only person that's immune to it is the Punisher. I'm going to throw it over to Aaron for his thoughts on this first issue of the series. Being the first issue of the series, and because it's a mini-series, it's really just kind of like setting up the story for the rest of the series. There's not a whole lot of substance to it. They just give you the quick background of what's happened to all the Marvel characters that kind of blow through really fast. They bring up Spider-Man, who seems to be... Patient Zero. Patient Zero. He's kind of like the bad guy in it because he's been kind of overcome by this disease. And all what happened to all these other characters that the Punisher has basically taken upon himself to hunt because they've the super heroes basically took over the country and they they form these packs and they're the ones that are running everything because well they're not even packed basically they've eaten everybody yeah they're fighting over food and the story we pick up the story five years later after spider-man became patient zero and the last person capable of doing anything and stopping it is the punisher and he's hunting you know these famous marvel characters the thing the hulk spider-man through the ruins of new york city and the the cool thing about the storyline that you find out towards the end of the first issue is that the hunters actually or the punisher is actually the one responsible for unleashing the virus on the on new york city basically he was at a he busted up some mob deal that a was mob going exchange. on they're, mob they're exchange selling arms. they're selling it and he shot up the people who are doing the deal but they actually had the virus in vials in their jackets and which exposed the punisher to it but it exposed it to him so much that it made him immune to it versus actually 
catching the virus. It's it's typical comic book logic. Yeah, it, I mean, it doesn't it make sense. It kind of belongs in a Sylvester Stallone film. The, uh, the 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 thing that I found interesting about the first issue, because really, aside from setting up the storyline, there's not a whole lot to it, is that the Punisher, because he knows he was the one responsible for creating it, the very last line of the first book is now he feels compelled to you know fix the problem. For, I killed the world, now I have to save it. Yeah, and that's so something that I that kind of sets up what's going to happen. You can see what's going to happen in the last three issues because it's only a four-issue miniseries. Punisher is an interesting character. He is a human in a world of superheroes, so you, he has those human aspects to him, a la kind of like Batman, but a little more brutal. He's darker, and he's he kills to get his achieve his goal. He's yeah, that, kill. that's one and thing. And he sees things in absolute Punisher. black and white. Yeah, and that's kind of gonna. It, it's interesting because he's hunting these guys, like one of the first things he mentions. And one thing, it's the virus apparently makes people able to uh, harder to kill because, like Deadpool, he not true, not true. Um, uh, Deadpool actually his power is that he's he was from Weapon X, is the same group that oh, built Wolverine. Factor. He has it's a healing factor. I'm not sure if Weapon X gave it to him. So when the Punisher was talking, because the Punisher has hunted Deadpool for the 33rd time, that's when you pick up the comic with the Punisher. He's tried to figure out any way to actually kill Deadpool so that he doesn't come back. And Deadpool keeps coming back he keeps regenerating yeah and so basically he's tried all these different things so he's going to chop him up and put his body parts in different places to try to prevent him from coming back that's aside the point though that's just a little part of the story i enjoyed the book i'm interested to see where it goes from here um the punisher is an interesting character you know for comic books it seems like sometimes you get lost in the sea of superheroes it's cool to see a comic book character who doesn't have superpowers who's a little more human it uh adds, adds a little more real flavor to it well it puts i think it puts the punisher in a little more jeopardy because he's he's not un- i mean he is unstoppable because even though he's a human he's this killing machine that nobody can ever kill right that is one thing that attracts me to this book is that it's the ultimate killer versus a world of superpowered cannibals Really, if you go back a couple years, Marvel has had a cash cow called the Marvel Zombies franchise, which it does it does portray their heroes as undead zombies that you know have eaten the entire planet. And these are all alternate universes in Marvel. And within the Marvel Zombie book, I always thought it'd be a cool concept. Like, well, what's the Punisher doing? Because he never showed up in the original Marvel Zombies series. And I was like, well, what's the Punisher doing? Because the Punisher would see this, you know, this is evil, this is wrong. The Punisher wants to stop it. And then in the second one, uh, Army of Darkness versus Marvel Zombies, the Punisher does show up. He shows up for about. 10 pages with Ash from Evil Dead in the Army Darkness series. The Punisher runs out into the fray with an M16 and starts shooting at the zombies. And when he goes, turns around for Ash to throw him a clip to reload, Ash is taken off and the Punisher gets eaten in zombie fight. I was really bummed. I thought that was a complete waste of the Punisher in the Marvel Zombieverse. The Punisher wouldn't put himself in that position no. in the first place. He's not stupid. No, he's not stupid. He's a tactician. He's the guy that he'd be sniping zombies from the top of the building. He wouldn't just run right out into the fray. And I thought that was a terrible characterization of the Punisher. So that's one thing that drew me into this limited series that's why i actually made a second trip to the comic book store to pick it up just a single issue because i want to see the punisher go into the marvel universe and have it be everybody that's left against him and it's interesting because he has no healing factor he has no powers he just is his mind you know i think the punisher and comic books you know he is kind of a holdover from the late 80s and early 90s big gun badass series you know because marvel had this thing in that time period that they called their big guns and for some reason the Punisher's kind of persevered even though he's been one of the t- most mistreated Marvel comic book characters in the last decade and a half I don't buy every Punisher book that comes out I only buy it when Garth Ennis writes the Punisher because he takes this character this Vietnam veteran and places him in really interesting situations and it's almost like a hardcore mercenary comic book when Garth Ennis writes it but I thought the first 
issue was, it was interesting. It was a lot of setup and it was kind of slow at some points. They referenced some things that are going on, like at how the Punisher figured out how to kill Ben Grimm, the thing, because the thing's made of rocks and the Punisher, all he has at his disposal are guns. And the thing had basically hauled out the Baxter building and had turned it into his lair for his clan. He yeah. had eaten a bunch of people and superheroes, or a bunch of them had joined him. He was kind of, yeah, yeah like... Exactly. Weird. I mean, the way they kind of portrayed it, the heroes are kind of pairing off. They even mentioned that Spider-Man may have a harem of Spider-Girl, Tarantula, and the Black Widow, and they, they might be getting ready to breed, which is kind of weird. Aaron hit the nail on the head. It's a lot of setup. I think there's a lot of potential for this comic book. I think there's a lot... A potential to actually fulfill the whole zombie marvel zombie thing with having the punisher have to defend the marvel universe and try and take out these characters that are cannibals i'm looking forward to it it's not written by garth ennis which is a little bit disappointing but garth ennis has stated repeatedly that he hates superheroes which blow which is the only reason he writes the punisher because the punisher is not a superhero it blows my mind garth though because you know what the capes and the tights they're the ones that actually make the comic book industry tick they're the reason you have a job, buddy. But I'm excited. What, Aaron, what would you give this uh, first issue? And how? what are your thoughts on the next issue? i give it a B. And a lot of it, like my final grade, will just see where the story goes. I Hopefully it isn't just the Punisher hunting superheroes for four issues. Hopefully there's an actual story to it. It's a setup issue. So it's hard to give it a really great grade because, you know, the story well, B is, is above it, average. A B isn't above average, but I, I mean, it's not an A though either. Yeah. So it's it's intrigued me, but it's going to have to go somewhere for me to really, at the very end, be like, it's an A or even keep it at a B. Hopefully, you know, it's an interesting yeah. setup. But my first thought was when Dave showed me the comic book, I was like, okay, this is the Punisher versus Marvel Zombies before I even opened it. And the storyline is still kind of similar to Marvel Zombies, but they just gave the zombies an excuse to be able to reason. Well, but the thing is that even the Marvel zombies still reason. They're still very intelligent. It's just they had that hunger. I was... My thoughts on this comic, it's probably a B, B minus because we're a little bit talking, a little bit slow. One thing I'm really disappointed about is that Spider-Man's the villain. It seems like whenever there's an alternate universe comic book it's either wolverine or spider-man are really involved in the storyline i the wish big it would draws well there's the big draws exactly you know i mean but it's like let's be a little more creative i mean what if captain america was the uh, main cannibal villain you he's know, already dead at the point the thing starts off or at least you're you're to believe he's been killed yeah. by the punisher already well exactly but it's like if captain i mean what would it do to see steve rogers captain america as a cannibal monster leading a pack of people looking to eat people you know that he's kind of degenerated um moon knight is kind of an unknown character but i don't think you really have a lot of cat- casual people coming at stores to pick these up. You know, the Spider-Man as the main villain, what seems to be the main villain, the Patient Zero, is kind of disappointing, especially since he was featured so prominently in Marvel Zombies. But I give it a B minus. Uh, I'm waiting for the next couple issues. I'll definitely finish all four of them. But, you know, it's it's kind of wait and see as far as if this is something that I'm really into or is it something that I'm going to read once and put in my long box and forget about. So now we're going to move on to the last segment of this episode, which is basically... The penultimate segment. <laughs> David and I are going to review some of the news that has come out following last weekend's Gathering of the Juggalos. Two episodes ago, David and I decided to do a preview of the Gathering of the Juggalos just because we thought it was a kind of a uh, cultural festival. It's an interesting cultural phenomenon that celebrates ignorance and vulgarity. And stupidity. Isn't ignorance and stupidity kind of the same thing? Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. But Apparently this show is now celebrating ignorance and stupidity at the same time. <laughs> it's, ignorance, to me, is a specific kind of stupidity. Ig- it, well, no, I agree. I think ignorance is a, it's a willful kind of stupidity. It's like you don't care that you're ignorant. You're not making any effort to get smart. Stupidity just means you're kind of a dumbass. Yeah, yep, that's, that's, that's kind of that's true, Dave. Um, and I feel like the Juggalos 
celebrate their ignorance. They, they, well, you know, the real question is, like, these people are so dumb, do they even realize the type of ignorance they possess? That is- no, they don't, but they think... I just read an article where he said ignorance is, they celebrate ignorance as a virtue, and I think they do celebrate their ignorance as a virtue, even though they have no idea how fucking dumb they are. Yeah, they don't really have... I mean, that's why they celebrate it. I mean, if you can really comprehend the type of ignorance these people have, which we'll, we'll get into specifically what we're saying in a second, but if they could really comprehend the ignorance, then they would understand why it's not something to be celebrated. Obviously, the universe-shattering stupidity that these people possess could potentially bring the world to its knees. Have you seen Idiocracy? Because <laughs> I know, right? Basically, if you go to Gathering of the Juggalos, you're seeing that seed, that 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 spore of ignorance that could lead to a future of retardation. Because these people are going to breed and spread. That's what and they all breed. these stupid people are breeding, right? And they breed. I'm sure some of them bred at the Gathering of the Juggalos Woodstock constantly. for these people. <laughs> this, this was Woodstock for the idiot generation. So basically, the big story that came out of the weekend was... The catalyst. Or I guess to go back a little bit, uh, Gathering Juggalos, three-day festival. They had all sorts of uh, washed-up rap superstars, Vanilla a la Ice. Vanilla Ice, Coolio... Coolio. Um, it's Todd Bridges in a wrestling extravaganza. Yeah, they had like Hacksaw Jim Duggan and a bunch of other washed up guys. The who comedic stylings of Gallagher, or whatever version of Gallagher. This is the these not the fake whack Gallagher too. This is the original motherfucker, <laughs> as they stated in their promotional video. He brought his giant trampoline couch with him. Oh, good Gallagher. <laughs> But anyways, uh, the show was obviously headlined by the Insane Clown Posse, the uh, underground rap act who has managed to parlay their image and turn and basically create an entire subculture and probably make a shitload of money off it. So, like we said a couple episodes ago, kudos to them on a financial level, but shame on them for creating this totally ignorant subculture. At this year's Gathering of the Juggalos, they had a reality superstar in Tila Tequila who's creating her own um, musical act. Carving out her own little empire. Little niche, and she's decided to become a rapper. Um, what happened was during her performance, the crowd didn't really appreciate her, so they started pelting her with bottles and rocks. And, and apparently a feces-soaked watermelon. Yeah, feces and piss-soaked watermelon hit her and uh, leaving some wounds on her. In response, she flashed the crowd, which just incensed some more, and... <laughs> it's, it's, with with Tia Tequila kind of rapping on stage in front of the Juggalos, it's kind of like a race to the bottom. It's like, whose IQ is low is it the entire mass of the juggalos just tea tequila like i mean this crowd's out of control i need to show them my tits which i'm sure they've all seen that all seemed only incense the crowd more in which they followed her back to her dressing room or uh, basically a motor follow or up, chase and they rocked the motorhome back and forth with her inside it broke the windows and as she escaped in an suv they also broke the windows out of that the thing that is pertinent about this issue in regards to this subculture is what is the issue here is it this reality superstar who's obviously an idiot or is it this group of people and their ignorance well, look, well, who's to blame what does this say about the large well we society? live in the age of the reality tv star you know i mean but these people can still walk around the streets and not be assaulted just because they grabbed on their idiot 50 minutes of fame you know good for them they got it and you know what tea tequila i don't give two shits for her you know i have no interest in the woman but she's trying to perform she's trying to make a living she's trying to do whatever who knows she's probably an egomaniac she should shouldn't have rocks and shit thrown at her. And that's where the guilt comes for the Juggalos. It's like, it's not okay just to assault somebody because you dislike them. Especially because the thing about it is she's performing on what they called Ladies Night, and it's the first time they've done it at the Gathering Do you think Juggalos. it was only ladies throwing rocks and feces at And, her? well, I mean, one thing that, you know, is brought up, it's like, these people knew she was going to perform. 
these people were ready for her to come on stage. And they even told her beforehand that our fans don't like you. They don't appreciate you. And so it's... It so why of, book her in the first place? Why, well, why book her in the first place? But it also, uh, speaking of the Jekyllos, it's like, this attack, it seems almost like it was premeditated. It's not like she, they It does were seem a bit calculated. And that's an interesting thing to think about because, I mean, what type of person thinks it's okay to do these things? What and kind of person thinks it's okay to follow someone back to their trailer and basically threaten her? But the scary part is that it, they didn't just do it to her they did it to method man too i mean yeah who what kind of culture is this this juggalo family dark carnival bullshit where it's okay to throw a fucking rock you can kill somebody with a rock people used to get stoned to death it's, you know and why has the insane clown posse not said something about this i have not heard about any statement they've released if they really give a shit about their fans if they really care they need to say something because they are ultimately the ones that lead this idiot circus yeah that's true it does say it's like what are they really in it for i remember when dave and i talked about this a couple weeks ago one of the things we talked about was do they really have an invested interest in the well-being of this culture of people that they've created or are they just kind of using them to become kind of rich and famous and this uh, very rich and famous i'd say yeah and, and this kind of speaks to the uh the latter half of that you know what they want what do they want these people well, they want their attention and they want their money because if they actually cared about these people and want to actually because they are the leaders of this group I mean, yeah. they would say something be like hey this isn't alright when we come to this place it needs to be safe and we need to take care of each other Look, and the performance but they haven't done anything like supposedly that supposedly this, this uh, gathering the gathering of the jugglers was all about family and unity and peace and love and all these bullshit buzzwords that the ICP used to describe it but it's like you know what I've been to Chuck E. Cheese I've never seen anybody hit by a rock you know I've been to the park people aren't just chucking rocks around and feces filled watermelons and glass bottles and smashing car windows. You know what? Just to say it, I've been to church and you don't see people killing and attacking yeah. each other there, do you? And I, you know, everything I can say about church, I will say that people are typically pretty safe at church unless it's Berna Quran Day. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but I mean, the gathering of the Juggalos, it seemed like a cauldron of stupidity, and it seemed like that cauldron ended up boiling over. Well, there's another thing that happened, like a, an older man who's there got stabbed to death by another, like, 49-year-old. Yeah, which probably... is like, why are there 49 and 50-year-olds at the gathering of the Juggalos when I'm pretty sure the target audience, the demographic is like teens and early 20s yeah and there's like dave and i were just kind of were looking up some pictures from the weekend and one of the pictures was some lady was probably in her 50s or 60s missing her teeth like she had been doing crack for the last 20 years just you know she and but the, the great thing is the reason why the picture was taken is because she's sporting her very stylish icp t-shirt and it's there's the miss juggalo competition where apparently what aaron alleged may have been strippers hired <laughs> by the insane compost to be crowned miss juggalo as they're as they're performing oral sex on each other yeah in the of this festival on the stage it's like the lowest common denominator. you know far the be it for me to knock exhibition far be it for me to knock the ladies performing oral sex on each other all right you know what if that's what you do that's fine but it's like it's like the context well it's it's look the people this the guys because every picture i've seen they're all doughy 21 year old white guys from the south all right and that is just that's like a donkey chasing a carrot on a stick all right that is the easiest way to get these guys to turn out and get them riled up it's that lowest common denominator. it is it is it is below the lowest common denominator <laughs> it is we have reached the dungeon of low common denominators okay maybe we, the, the race to the bottom is finished and the juggalos have won hands down and anybody Luke, behind him is still lowest, 15 days from finishing the lowest level of hell look the this is lucifer 
won't even go down in the basement of hell because it's populated by juggalos. All right, that is how bad this is. Um, there were three scheduled wet t-shirt contests at the gathering of the juggalo. Good work, guys. Midnight light flashing. Yeah, it will, yeah. I mean, come on. It's like this is Vegas for morons. All right, this is a money factor for the ICP. You know, if nobody was into it, it wouldn't be a big deal. But the problem is that there are quite a few people into it and they're completely oblivious to what's being done to them and how dangerous it is for their person. It is, I mean, it is the 11th annual Gathering with the Juggalos, which means the prior 10 have been successful and I'm sure it's probably built on itself as these people, as the fan base of the Insane Clown Posse grows. I mean, for instance, one thing that's interesting about the Insane Clown Posse is when they play in Portland, Oregon, they don't play the Roseland, they don't play the Crystal Balling Room, they run out the Portland Expo Center which is basically a giant building. It's not a music venue. And they put on concerts there. And they're the only act that I can think of. I think... Uh, well, it seems like it's more like a festival. Well, that's what it is. It's like they, they, it's a touring act. It's, it's, it's like so. a convention that ha- that features a concert. Yeah, and, and that's where these people gather. They probably do this in every city when they go on tour. They make a buttload of money. But the interesting thing is it's not just music. It is this lifestyle. And they can tour and they bring five or six bands with them. And it's scary to see that it works but it obviously does because it's not just the gathering of the juggalos it's these shows they put on and the way they build it and it's and it is building and they've been building it and that's why i said there's been 11 of them and it's it's just kind of i guess it just is scary to me to think that there's people out there who are buying into this but do you think do you think uh, the gathering of juggalos kind of like the pink floyd thing where you know every year there's a group of 16 17 year olds discover dark side of the moon and then move on a couple years later or you know do you think they're building lifelong juggalo fans and do you think we will face an army of rampaging juggalos in the near future? I think the, ju- the juggalos are going to overthrow the American government pretty soon. You know what? I'm pretty sure we can outsmart them with something shiny. And some of that Fago shit they drink. <laughs> no, well, no. Because Pink Floyd I, is one I of will, the greatest I will shine time. the light of knowledge on their idiot eyes. I'll give them a book and it'll confuse them beyond all belief. And while they're preoccupied <laughs> with trying to figure out what to do with it. While they're trying to uncover the, the mysteries of Hop on Top. I'm going to mow them all down with Wait. anything. Well, we'll hire Roland the Gunslinger, one of our heroes, to mow down the we entire... We will hire Sylvester Stallone in his Rambo persona <laughs> to man the machine gun, since we talked about him earlier, and save us all from the stupidity of the Juggalos. I'd pay to see that. Sly, save us, please. Look, I will forgive any... You can make Rocky 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, where you defeat the champion of the universe if you just save us from the Juggalos. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can kid about this all you want. It's kind of scary. And I mean, this even to touch on something else, the funeral for a juggalo. Google it. It's about a young couple in the Midwest. They were dating and they're both juggalos. Mom about 400 pounds. Mom about 400 pounds. She didn't even know she was pregnant until she was six months pregnant. Another American cliche. She had drank during the pregnancy. If you look up the article that Dave and I saw on it, it's a joke. She basically talks about the lifestyle that she had lived while being pregnant with this child and lo and behold you know after drinking through the pregnancy the and kid smoking died. fat buds i believe her nickname was like fat buds or something yeah and she died and basically the story exists because they had a juggalo funeral for their baby child and it was basically a tiny coffin that looked it looks like a cooler with juggalo stickers on and sing clown posse stickers on it and while on one hand you look at it and you say this is a joke and well, there is a dark there's a precedence for kiss has sold kiss 
styled coffin. His coffin seems different than the insane, than watching a child being buried prematurely, a child that shouldn't be dead, in a insane clown posse coffin by a woman who's obviously well, should have never had a kid in the first place. By a couple that should have never had a, a child in the first place. Which is like a and microcosm of the whole culture. Exactly. It's the, it's the whole point of yeah, I mean, this is a that. tragedy that was kind of spurred on by the fact that these two were juggalos, that they were a member of this weird, creepy subculture. I don't know. Who they wrote on her coffin, the psychopaths from outer space, I hope will protect her from evil. If they were going to protect her from evil, they would have protected her from her parents. What are you going to do? I mean, uh, you know, you can't do anything. All you can do is kind of stand out in the wilderness and scream about how dangerous this is. But, you know, one thing that's great about this country is that we can say that and the, the insane compost, you can say it too. But at some point, you hope the individuals kind of take it upon themselves to realize that this is bad. Yeah, on one hand, you laugh at something like this because it is... And I just want to make something clear. We're not laughing at the tragedy of the child No, no, that's what I'm saying. On one hand, it, it's the culture. This is just another example of how stupid it is, but it's also really tragic on the other hand that you have these people, you know, kids don't choose to be born. And you have this kid who died who was innocent because he was born to a set of parents who were obviously not in a position to have this child. And it just speaks to the culture. Yeah, okay, on the Gathering of the Juggalo website, Shaggy 2 Dope, I believe. God dang it, what's going on? It was Shaggy 2 Dope. It was Shaggy, yeah, on the website, actually it was Violent J. On the website, Violent J posted a I'm message uh, recapping the Gathering of the Juggalos and talking about how much love and how great it was and how amazing it was and how he loved seeing these pro wrestlers. And, you know, he dedicated a couple of uh, paragraphs to the Tia Tequila incident and the Method Man and Red Man incident because they both got pelted with stuff. I, Red Man's face was cut and bleeding too. And it's like, you know what? He, you know, he apologized. He said it was terrible. He felt like they were enemy snipers and ninjas and whatever the fuck that baby talked at the... ICP uses means, but it seems kind of half-hearted and seems like really it's just he did it with two hands to cover his ass. It doesn't fix things. It doesn't make things better. It doesn't make anything that went on there all right. I'm the last guy to stand in judgment of something. You know, I feel like people should be allowed to do whatever they want as long as they don't hurt anybody. And I think the culture of the Insane Clown Posse is actually harming people. Yeah, well, it's violent. One, it is a violent culture. It's and violent and it's ignorant, and that's a terrible mix. When we do these podcasts, we kind of try to find stuff that we can, some serious topics <laughs> we, we want to talk keep about. We want to keep it lighthearted. And some stuff that, you know, we think we're just going to joke about and make fun of and, you know, something that people who listen to it can kind of like, because we think there's a lot of people out there that find some humor in the insane clown posse and the juggalo culture. Problem is, this segment got serious, and the reason being is that this is so stupid, it makes you angry. It's well, so it's, pointless and needless. You know, I mean, I thought it was, when I first read about Tia Tequila being assaulted on stage, I thought it was kind of funny, because I said it before it was a race to the bottom between a pack of idiots and a self-serving egomaniac but as you research the icp as you look into it as you look into the gathering of the juggalos i just found out today that they were doing wet t-shirt contests that's fine when you put it with the hole though it kind of comes off as typical of the entire scene it's hard not to get worked up about something like this. Yeah, it's hard to sit there like, we were like we've made a couple offhanded jokes about it, but I mean, when you actually listen to what we're talking about, it's like, how do you make jokes about it? Yeah. You know, the jokes kind of How do you make flat. jokes about parents that can't take care of their baby and it dies because they were just basically, the, the girl neglected herself while she was pregnant and was too stupid to figure it out that she didn't menstruate for six months. Yeah, and, and the, the whole reason being, you know, look at this culture she's a part of. Look at this lifestyle she lives, which is a direct result from the juggalo culture. And... So that's, that's really what it is, you know, like two episodes ago when we did the preview, it was all us joking about mm -hmm. it and making fun of it. But now do it, looking back on it, it's like... The more you delve into it's it... It's almost cryptic, the, yeah. way, the way we joked about it first, and these were the things we're making fun of that could happen. And they kind of did. And all these things kind of came true, and it's, it's kind of... 
you know, yeah. it's it's hard to make light of something when the kind of shit that went down at the Gathering of the Juggalos goes down. And it's dangerous. And the scene is growing. Their following is growing. This cult is getting larger. All I gotta say is thank God Hacksaw Jim Duggan got out of there alive. They, oh my God. If, if Hacksaw Jim Duggan hadn't emerged, I kind of, I like to think about him swimming through the mass of Juggalos, swinging his two by four. <laughs> For dear life, pulling out bullet bar Bob Armstrong behind him, Terry Funk throwing some big left hooks, you know, escaping flashlight wrestling. I, I, I kind of wonder if they've done flashlight re- wrestling just to cover up the fact that these guys are aging and I can't know. do anything anymore. They, they, they couldn't afford lights. Aaron, they want to save I'm throwing it over to you. Last thoughts on Gathering of the Jugglers. Obviously, you know, it is what it is. It's not the only music festival to ever have problems with Suck 99, obviously. Went totally fucking haywire. But it seems, and I'd like to go back and maybe do, well, maybe I wouldn't like to go back and do more research on the Gathering no, of the Juggalos. No, I, I think to do think more research on the Gathering of the Juggalos is to invite insanity. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's kind of interesting to see what Dave and I were joking about two weeks ago, how some of the things kind of came to fruition and how it's almost, like I said, it's almost kind of cryptic how things went down. Look, and Woodstock 99, we are placing the blame on this firmly in the court of the Insane Kong Posse. Woodstock 99 was a corporate event when you're charging people four to five bucks for a little tiny thing of water and there's no free water available inside the ground yeah that's that is a cauldron just waiting to explode all right you can't really place that on the artists themselves and there were a lot more people with suck 99 there were a lot more people with suck 99 you can't really say it was a result of the culture of that music you'd say as a result of the corporate culture that ran it and tried to squeeze every last dollar out of it i will firmly i will stand up and say that this is a direct result of the culture that the insane clown posse promotes agreed fuck you icp so that wraps up this week's episode of A Pod Clips Now. On our next episode, we're going to preview the movie Machete. We're going to do our summer movie wrap-up. And we're going to talk about the TV series Mad Men. Dave and I will both be caught up at that point, so we'll be able to talk a little more extensively than we were able to last time. So uh, just once again, if you're a fan of the podcast, if you're downloading it every week, please do a uh, Facebook search for A Pod Clips Now. We've got the fan page. You know, like it and spread the word out to anybody else if you think they'd be interested. And also, we have a email address that if you want to reach us and tell us how bad the show is and how much you don't want to hear about the ICP anymore, you can reach out and touch us. Aaron, what is it? It is a podcalypsenow at hotmail.com. So once again, I'm Dave. And I'm Aaron. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you guys next time.